Hi, and welcome to the Circle of Film Podcast. I'm Ryan, and join me as we step into Annabelle Comes Home in today's review episode. What's this? What's this? The simply sensational standing ovation old Royal Dalton Music Hall. What is this? This is where you wanna be. What is this? Annabelle Comes Home comes out this coming week uh, based on, yeah, comes out this week. Uh, This review will come out Wednesday. Uh, The film has early previews on Tuesday, so, you know, not completely stepping on toes and things like that. But I went and saw an early screening of it this past week, and... I've talked about some horror movies in the past uh, that Annabelle definitely falls into the same camp of. Uh, tends to be one of the first films I review every year is like an Insidious or something like that. And if you've been listening long enough, you know I don't really like these types of movies. I think uh, they're just very generic horror films and uh, they they really struggle to find anything worth doing it's jump scares it's you know people making bad decisions it's poorly created characters and so on and so forth and even the conjuring universe which has grown fairly big with the nun and uh curse of la llorona and the conjuring and annabelle and all this stuff they still don't really feel i don't know worth seeing From a macro perspective, I don't feel... I I liked the first Conjuring movie. uh, But after that, I think they're all fairly inconsequential. Uh, So I I didn't go into Annabelle creation, or Annabelle Comes Home, uh, with any real expectations. I didn't have, you know, this wasn't going to be an It Follows or a Get Out or anything close to that or in a quiet place or or us. But... You know, for seeing a movie that I wasn't interested in and a genre that I don't typically enjoy, it's really fun to see those, to at least experience it with a bunch of other people who really wanted to see it, a bunch of other people who came out and filled in a theater and and so on. And, you know, it was a two-thirds full theater, maybe more than that. Um, And, uh, you know, that's the best environment to watch a movie you're not particularly interested in because at least then everyone around you will kind of build it up and and react and and add to the emotional investment uh and i think in that respect uh, this this experience definitely worked on that level you know there were tons of people uh sitting all around me uh i was there half an hour early leaving from one movie i had seen to this one and uh, i still had to get like a side seat and uh, so, so the the Conjuring universe is a thing, you know. It's it's real. It's out there. It's it's making a name for itself. Annabelle comes home. Uh, premise here being that um, Patrick Wilson and Vera Farmiga, the uh, Lorraine, the the War- Ed and Lorraine Warren, bring home the Annabelle doll. Uh, they bless it. They put it behind a. Uh, a glass case and uh, in the hopes of containing what dwells within 
and then they uh, leave. Yeah, they just they just leave. It, it's it's that's all they are in this movie. Uh, there's a you know a very typical tropey um, opening sequence with them that's horror elements in it. Uh, but after that, we really spend all the movie with uh, their daughter, played by McKenna Grace. Brilliant. McKenna Grace, so good in this as Judy. Uh, we also spend time with Madison Eisman and Katie Sarif. I think Serife, Sarif. Those are our three main characters uh, with a little... Um, let me see here. I forget who plays... Michael Cimino. Michael Cimino is, is also kind of featured. Uh, so mainly three characters that we follow. Their daughter, babysitter, and friend of babysitter. And honestly, uh, I'm not going to say that this is a good movie. I don't think it's the best Conjuring verse film out there, but it wasn't bad. It does a lot of things really well. Uh, definitely gets you know the atmosphere, the mood right. It does that better than most Conjuring movies, I would say. Uh, just making it a sort of palpable fear. And, and one of the ways it's successful in that is that the Annabelle doll isn't exact isn't the only thing going on. So if you've seen any of the Conjuring movies, you know that the uh, the Warrens have this room with all these old artifacts and all these things from possessions and demonic curses and whatnot. And Annabelle is in there, and the sort of point being that if she's free, the demon inside her, the demon you know channeling through her will activate and trigger the other ones, okay? And this movie goes crazy with that. Uh, you know, it, it, it triggers so many different things and you can't really keep all of them, you know, in front of you at the same time. And one character is dealing with this, you know, abnormal apparition and one character is dealing with that and this one's dealing with this and then this one enters the frame and then this one enters the frame and over and over and over. Which is a lot of fun. Uh, sometimes it gets a little more. Sometimes it gets a little over the top. But it's a lot of fun. And I think doing it this way does a couple of things for this movie. One, uh, it makes things a little less predictable. When you, know, when you know that it's the nun and you know exactly how the nun operates and how it works. Uh, it makes it very easy to see, okay, well, this is going to happen. That's going to happen. This kind of Well, when... You've got like eight, nine, ten, eleven, whatevers, demons who, who knows, possessed dolls uh, as the quote unquote bad guys. You can't always know exactly what your characters have to do. You aren't always sure what the best course of action is. You know, is it turn all the lights on? Or is that not the right thing? Or is it, you know, go into the darker space, hide away, uh, run? You know, those aren't always the right decision depending on what you're going up against. And I think having so many, such a variety of things to, to terrorize our characters adds to that, gives it a little extra oomph in the suspense department. Uh, the other thing that this adds to it is it really makes it easy for the, this movie to open up into future Conjuring verse movies. You know, when you have half a dozen to a dozen bad things there's a lot of thing lot, lots to mine from 
you know, whether it's the ferryman or, um, I don't know, the, the, the widow or the bride or whatever that is. And there's a lot of different routes for the future movies to take. And I think this does a decent job of saying, hey, these are all the things we could do. Uh, let's, you know, show them off now. And then when we make a movie about just that thing, there'll be a through line. Another element that I think this movie gets right, where a lot of the other Conjuringverse movies get wrong, is in the characters. These characters are fairly well written. You know, they're simple um, for the most part, but they're still not, you know, they're still written as actual people, human characters, things that people that think and have, you know, autonomy. Um, specifically, Katie Sarif's character, who is the catalyst of this whole thing, the friend of the babysitter, who uh, just is the character in this movie that's just not satisfied with leaving things alone, uh, whereas both uh, Judy and the babysitter are perfectly happy to, to let things lie. Uh, Katie Cerise's character is not. She, she's not, not about that life. She came there... She has a reason, she has motivations, she has, you know, intention, and, and it makes sense. You know, there's a, there's a reason for what she does and a reason behind her actions, and it's not the best reason in the world, but it's a good reason enough for this movie and better than most reasons for, you know, horror characters in most movies to make stupid decisions. And it's really the characters, for me, that elevate this above, you know, just a lower-level horror throwaway movie. Um, Michael Cimino's character of Bob is amazing. I loved him. I thought Michael Cimino does a great job uh, as Bob, and Madison Eisman is a lot of fun uh, in this as well. You know, she was in Jumanji um, and Goosebumps 2. Uh, so, you know, I, I think she is a big part of this McKenna Grace though is the, the the thing she's the reason this is worth seeing honestly I think she makes this a lot of fun she plays she's the youngest member of the cast but she plays the role so well um, she's supposed to be 10 in this I don't know if she's actually that old or not um, she's 13 she turns 13 tomorrow or recording this uh, yesterday based on when I released this she turns 13 uh, but She's very reserved. She's very sulky, moody. And uh, that kind of comes with having parents who are demonologists and, you know, kind of get a lot of flack from the rest of the world. You know, she gets bullied at school and, and so on and so forth. And the movie revolves around her birthday. And I... I don't know, I, I just, I found it very charming, you know, it's a movie, it's a very confined movie, it takes place over like 24 hours, um, and McKenna Grace kind of steers the, steers the ship, you know, she is, you know, the most confident, most courageous character in the cast, despite being the youngest, she seems to kind of know what to do, based on the fact that, you know, her parents you know, I've kind of rubbed off on her, and it's it's just, it's not breaking the bank, it's not gonna, you know, I don't, I, for me, it didn't, like, blow me away, but 
I found it very competent. I thought Gary Dauberman, who is the director, uh, this is the first thing he's directed. He's previously written on The Nun and Annabelle Creation and the first Annabelle, and uh, as well as It. He also wrote on It. I think he does a good job uh, stepping into the director's chair, sitting in the director's chair uh, for Annabelle Comes Home and, and really making it feel reasonable. You know, like that's the thing, right? For me, at least, is it feels reasonable. You know, I watched The Nun or, or Curse of La Llorona or whatever other throwaway horror movie you want, The Bye Bye Man, ugh. Uh, and I just, I want it to be feel reasonable. I want it to make sense to me. I want it to, to have something, some substance to it, you know, whether that doesn't need it to be, you know, social commentary like Get Out. It doesn't need to be, you know, multi-layered like Us or anything like that. I just, I just need it to, to feel real. And so many of these movies don't. Whether that's because it has a silly antagonist, whether that's because the characters are awful or poorly written or flat or make stupid decisions or have awful dialogue or uh, the effects are bad or the scares are just poorly constructed. This isn't perfect, but it is a huge, huge, huge step uh, <laughs> towards, towards the right direction uh, relative to the previous Annabelle films or The Nun or, you know most sort of B or C level horror that's come out in the last however many years. Uh, and I think Gary Dauberman is a big reason for that. So I'm curious to see, you know, what he's got next as a director um, because he showed me that here, like he was the only writer on this movie. He also directed it. If, you know, he's writing, he's, he's a contributing writer on the it sequel, which, you know, makes me feel better about that. I mean, he was a writer on a lot of the other Conjuring movies, though, so, uh, you know, maybe he's just, I don't know, maybe he's getting better or not, I'm not sure. Um, he's working on the screenplay for Are You Afraid of the Dark and, uh, and so forth. Doesn't seem to have any future directorial positions coming up, but one can hope. I, 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 I think he's got promise. He's got, he's got potential. Um, that said... Uh, I think the movie, like I like I kind of said, like Ed and Lorraine are here for five minutes and gone. They're kind of playing the the Nick Fury role of the Conjuring verse at this point, where they show up when they need to and they don't take on a big role. Uh, it's just. Um, I don't know. It, it just I, I wish they were in it more. Maybe one extra scene at some point, you know, they're they're gone. None of the kids that are staying at the home after things really start to get crazy <laughs> uh, you know, try to get in touch with them, not in a, you know, expedient enough fashion. Uh, I don't know. I I wish and I, I like I think a lot of people have the same critique of the MCU, but I, I want more creativity to come from the Conjuring verse. I think there's a lot of, I mean it's all horror movies, but I feel like there's a lot of opportunities to to make things that are different and unique and, and original. And you know you have all these various objects and artifacts and and 
demons and ghosts and things at your disposal. And I, I hope that they can find uh, a way to, to address those things and, and do it so that it's not just a retread of the nun, just a retread of the Curse of La Llorona, just a retread of Annabelle. And, you know, fingers crossed uh, moving forward. You know, I don't know what the next Conjuring Verse movie is. I think Conjuring 3 is somewhere on the horizon. But um, if they can keep getting, you know, writer-director Gary Dauberman, people like that to actually give us characters that are fun or we care about or, or feel real, that would be nice. Uh, if, if we keep getting younger performers like McKenna Grace, who's great, or um, what's her name from Annabelle Creation? Lulu Wilson, I thought was really good in Annabelle Creation as well, which isn't awful, but uh, definitely this is a step above Annabelle Creation. Um, yeah, you know, I, I think it's just a lot of fun, and that's good. Um, that's a good thing for a horror movie, because they need to be fun. If they're just dour, if they're just dark, if they're just terrifying, that kind of alienates things, doesn't it? A little bit. Just a little bit. Yeah. Um, also, the Annabelle doll is is uh, real terrifying. Looks way creepier than Chucky from this past child's play. Real creepy. So, Annabelle comes home. Um, it's kind of like Spider-Man Homecoming. Annabelle comes home. Uh, that's kind of it, though. You know, uh, just like, you know, full transparency here. I'm kind of recording some extra episodes early. I've mentioned this before. I'm going on vacation. I need to kind of get as many of these stockpiled as I can to hopefully cover all the time slots. So this is coming out Wednesday. Current schedule planned moving forward Friday. Uh, top 10 actors born in June. Uh, Monday, a review for yesterday. Wednesday, top 10 movies I saw in June for the first time. Friday, question mark, maybe a review of Anna, which I still haven't seen. I think I'm seeing that tomorrow. Uh, the following Monday, perhaps uh, top 10 actors born in July. And then uh, the last two episodes uh, before, while I'm on vacation, uh, I'm not 100% certain on. I am rewatching the original X-Men trilogy, so there might be an episode uh, looking back at that and, and appraising that as uh, with fresh eyes. Uh, but the final one, not sure. No idea. Um, I don't think anything's coming out that I'll be seeing before I leave. And I won't have too many opportunities after I leave to actually record. So uh, we'll see if, if all really goes to well, goes well. Maybe I'll find time to, to record something in time, uh, before Friday. That said, um, thank you for listening to today's episode. It does mean a lot. If you would like to get in touch with me, at Circle of Film on Twitter, circleoffilm at gmail.com, or uh, letterboxed at Circle of Film. Go to the website, circleoffilm.com. You can support the show, like, rate, review, subscribe, or go to patreon.com slash circleoffilm, and you can become a patron for as little as eight cents an episode. Uh, thank you so much for listening once again, and as always, have a week. Even as she fades from view So long, farewell, I'll be to say adieu No
nothing's really left or lost without a trace. Nothing's gone forever, only out of place. So long, farewell, au revoir, I'll be just saying. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute.